0: RTE Soccer Women's World Cup Podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. For grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland.
1: Hello, welcome to the RTE Soccer FIFA Women's World Cup Podcast. That's a mouthful. I complained about the mouthful for Qatar. It's it's no less of a mouthful, but we'll get used to it because we're going to be from next Monday. We will be doing a daily podcast here as the girls in green embark on their first ever World Cup campaign. I'm joined by Connor Neville of RTE Online and by Anthony Pine of RTE Online. But Anthony is uh, the jet lagged creature in Brisbane.
2: How are things, Anthony? Things are good, Mikey. Yeah, I got here last night, um, midnight local time. So, still trying to um adjust, you know, and shake out the old jet lag, but uh, getting there, shaking it out with the legs, uh, just as Ireland did in their open training session yesterday uh, in front of about 100 fans uh, at Brisbane. So, uh, yeah, definitely, look, I mean, straight away you can get a feel for the place. There's branding everywhere around the city. Um, there was uh, an event this evening with um, the ambassadors to Ireland, Tim Ma uh, in the city uh, in, in Brisbane, where, you know, some, some media attended that and um, Did you stuff your pockets with Ferreira Roche? Yeah, there was no Ferreira Roche, uh, disappointingly, but, um, you know, there's definitely a sense around the place that something big is happening. I was in Glasgow for the playoff, um, you know, that week Celtic were playing RB Leipzig and Rangers were playing Liverpool. And I remember, you know, I kind of got a few of the papers when I got there and on the day of the match, you really struggled. There was very little about that playoff match there, but it's not the case here, you know, it's, um, everybody's, uh, Going big on it, and you know, we're now only a week away, and um, lots planned in Sydney as well. Big event in Darling Harbour as well. Uh, a watch party, a, a sort of FIFA festival uh, event for anybody who can't get a ticket because that game is sold out. Over 80,000 people sold out, can't get the Mikey. Wow, that is uh, that's incredible
1: in itself. So, tell us, tell us about your your um, your jet lag for those of us because it's 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 a long old trek. Were you unable well, to sleep, I, unable to stay awake? Well, what is it? Yeah, well, d- d- this is a know, it jet lag video it, it, diary? Is it?
3: Is this? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, it, it's it is actually um, it's informative in in terms of what the players are going through because you now look, they've been here longer, but and they they flew business class as well. They flew out in two chunks. Uh, for the record, RTE
1: to... did not send Anthony Pine to Australia business class. He did not yeah. important to clarify that. yeah he went he, he went in the luggage hold. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, this, so they went on Friday and then on Saturday and uh, they've had a bit of time to adjust but obviously I mean for anyone who's experienced I mean, most people have experienced a bit of jet lag at some point in their lives, this is you know Australia. you can't fly any further before you start coming back. so it's it's it is a trek um 20 odd hours in the, in the in the air um and it takes a bit of time to to, to readjust for sure but um fair pals has, has been pretty meticulous um in our prep for it she has a really strong background team as well we got to meet some of them before we came out here and there's a piece coming in the next couple of days so it's it's all scientific these days they're all gps tracked heart rate monitors um the recovery rates all of that is very very closely monitored so she will see and tailor her training sessions to how they've adapted. I'm sure, and um, you know they do have another game uh, behind closed doors against Columbia on Friday to shake off any little bit of rust or jet lag that's still in the legs. Yeah, uh, Connor, I did, I did
3: hear. I did hear on that uh, when when the Ireland rugby team went to the first uh, World Cup back in 1987 in New Zealand um i read an account where they were scrummaging straight off the uh plane so it's obviously moved on the science since then <laughs> yeah. R- rugby and
1: player welfare have moved on quite a bit in general not really? just in terms of jet lag i was gonna say kind of, anyway. yeah i was gonna say it's probably fortunate that you know you know that 88 90 94 era fai none of those tournaments were too far flung, you know, the USA is you know, sick hours, yeah, but it's not really jet lag area, like because you know, no. it's well detailed how the players traveled versus how the Blazers traveled, so it does sound like um, things are you know, a little bit lighter, better organized and they're more cognizant of the health impacts of such long haul travel,
3: yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, you'd shudder to think, um, if obviously. Keen kicked up a stink about them flying economy, and and back in the qualifiers in two thousand one, I believe that was sorted out pretty soon. Soon after that, I heard Vera Powell say that uh, she was really stressing how business class made it so much easier, and and how business class to Australia was the equivalent of a five hour normal flight to Eastern Europe. You know, so it wasn't, it certainly wasn't too bad out there. Um, incidentally, I was actually in Dublin Airport when they were heading out, and I I bumped into Paul Flynn. Paul O'Flynn, and uh, I momentarily thought he was seeing me off to my stag in Birmingham, but no, yeah, he, he, uh, <laughs> I, I recall he was there to wish the Irish team goodbye, and I almost photo bombed his uh, his one o'clock uh, news report from that day, but yeah, I didn't in the end. Um, here we might as well pl- listen to someone else who's
1: been dealing with a bit of jet lag. This is uh, Lucy Quinn chatting to Tony O'Donoghue, um, just about. You know, how they recover from jet lag, jet lag, how they're looking at, at that. And also, more importantly, really, how she is um, endeavouring to break into Vera Powell's first 11.
4: I'm good, yes. Um, more, much more to the point. How are you after that horrendous journey and your big training session?
0: Yeah, no, we knew it was going to be a long, long journey, um, but obviously that's part of it. And yeah, it's good to get training, good to get here, have a look around and get into the spirit of the things. And yeah, it's been really good so far.
4: How do you cope with the jet lag though? Because I believe that you guys have been doing a sort of a special way of dealing with it.
0: Yeah, obviously it is quite frustrating. Um, I thought I got into quite a good routine and then was up at the crack of dawn this morning couldn't get back to sleep. But yeah, it's just one of those things you've got to do whatever you can to get into the in the routine of when you land. And obviously, yeah, they're planning training all around that to make sure we're fresh and injury free. And yeah, it's going well so far.
4: From your own point of view, Lucy, you've been such an important part of the, the journey to get here. What can you do to get back on the team?
0: Yeah, um, I'm doing everything I can, really. Um, I feel like I've taken uh, opportunities when I've been given them, for example, the USA camp. And yeah, I just train and try and absorb everything like a sponge and learn as much as I can. And I, I always want to bring energy to the team, and I feel like I, I'm doing that. And yeah, like uh, when you work hard, you get your rewards, and I'm sure that I w- I'll definitely get some. What do you
4: think happened in the USA camp? Because you were kind of on the fringes but then you were right in the centre of things. What what did you do to make that happen?
0: Um, I think I just had a, a little chat with myself about showing a bit of personality. I always really want to do what the squad needs me to do but I also need to bring what I bring to the table and show what I can bring to the team. So for me I just wanted to show in spells what makes me effective in that position and I think I was able to do that at times.
4: Do you feel it's a bit of a closed shop at the moment? I mean, is it hard to break into this side at the moment?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, at, at this level, there are teams that, that play together and then start to build relationships and then like, take that into the next game. And yeah, it's, it's effective. You have game plans and the personnel that are in there are in there for a reason. And yeah, it's defi- definitely difficult to break into that. But, you know, that's the point we're at. That's the level I want to play at. I want to be in there with the best and I've just got to keep working hard.
4: Because I'm sure you you don't want to just come to a World Cup, you want to play in a World Cup.
0: Yeah, obviously that's the dream. Getting selected and being in the squad is like a massive honour as it is. Um, But yeah, of course you want to get on the pitch and, you know, that fate isn't in my hands. So all I can do is everything I can do to make that possible.
4: Happy with the training facilities?
0: Yeah, no, it's been really nice. Hotel, the people that you meet out in the street. Um, Yeah, the city itself. Obviously it's a beautiful place to come and we're very, very lucky.
4: Have you got family coming over
0: i do yeah mum dad sister a couple of friends so i feel sorry for them having to do that long odd journey but you know they're up for it and they'll have a great time and yeah to have my family there will be really special
4: well, we should have very best of luck in all the games and hopefully you get to play a big part in them
0: yeah thank you hopefully there's a hat trick in there somewhere <laughs> thank you
4: okay that was lucy
1: quinn talking to tony O'Donoghue, who flew out a couple of days ahead of Anthony Anthony wasn't just like you know kicking his heels and not bothered with that that, that press conference he was probably in the air well that was well that was happening scrunt making fists with your toes in the carpet maybe like Bruce Willis was told to do and mm-hmm. die hard to offset the jet lag Um, it's you know Tony's line of questioning is is pertinent there Anthony I suppose kind of Lucy Quinn to some people's kind of a surprise given where she was in terms of the squad that, you know, kind of she made the final, the the final 23, but once you made the final three, 23, that's great. You're there, but breaking into the first 11 is the next trick. And everyone says Vera Powell's first 11 is like Fort Knox. It's impenetrable. But I wonder like how many of the coaches going to this world cup wouldn't have a very good idea of their first 11. You know, they've made it to the world cup finals, having entrusted in, you know, a group of players. But do you think Vera Powell's, kind of trusted group is that bit tighter than your average elite
2: coach uh, no I, I actually think the opposite because um, this uh, her trusted 11 or, and I think we could all I mean I'll go through the 11 that I would be almost certain that will start but that that's an 11 that was formed in April I mean <laughs> to, you know Sinead Farrelly is an integral part of that 11 but she only made her she's only played two games for Ireland and she uh, she only made her debut in April against the USA uh, Lucy Quinn wasn't even in the, the, the squad initially for those two games against the USA, but she got called up because of, uh, of an in, an injury to Megan Campbell and subsequently was the uh, player of the match in the second game against the States. And, um, you know, again, like that, I mean, that probably shows like it's it's hard to read for power, and, and the players probably feel that too because uh, the, she's not the only surprise here. I mean, Izzy Atkinson getting in was, you know, a real, a real bolter. Jamie Finn missing out uh, and Leanne Kiernan missing out or two. A lot of people would have said they were very, very unlucky not to be in. Leanne is probably
1: as much injury as anything, though, isn't it, or lack of fitness?
2: Well, that—that that, I mean, that's what Vera Powell said again, like, and she has referenced uh, heart rate monitor monitors and explosive actions, recovery from explosive actions, and when Leanne came and played against Zambia, because she had so little football in her legs with injury, she missed the whole club season with Liverpool. Um, obviously she fatigued quite quickly and that was picked up on, on the GPS and they looked at it and they don't just rely on the eye and they probably felt that she's just not going to be quite ready now my opinion is that I think that was harsh and I think also you'd have to say that anchor was never going to start any of these matches you know she was always going to be on the bench so she still had three weeks to tune up and get fitter could she have been in a condition where she could do a job off the bench for 10 or 15 minutes I think so I I don't understand how she wouldn't have been I'd also be worried that Ireland have a very good plan A, a very 5-4-1 for uh, uh, rigid formation that's difficult for any team at this world. Cup. Any team would find it difficult to penetrate that. The problem they have is if they do go a goal down, uh, there's no obvious plan B that I can see. Like For example, they don't readily switch to 4-4-2, four, four um, which would really suit someone like Leanne Kiernan. If you threw her up front beside Kira Carusa or... Now, even Louise Quinn, if you threw Louise mm-hmm. Quinn up for the last 10 minutes, would say 10 to do when they're in desperate need for a goal. She's the type of player that's just very good around the box, breaking balls, half chances. She's st- still a really good finisher. And even in the cameo she had against Zambia, she had a goal that was ruled offside, but she finished it very, very well. Um, so apologies, I have gone off on a slight tangent there, but um, with Lucy Quinn, um, I mean, I, I don't expect her to start next week. Maybe this is a good time to go through the eleven that I do start, Mikey. I do expect to start. Yeah, um, go on. Well, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously Courtney Brosnan uh, will be in goals. Heather Payne will be right back again. That's that's a that is something that was only um, that switch was made in April. You know, Mm. it's not not like Heather Payne has never played right back before that, she has done that role and she's done it for Ireland as well, she played there against Georgia last year, but generally speaking Heather Payne has been the lone striker she was switched to right wing back and looks very comfortable there and she's been excellent there uh, since that change was made Um, the defensive three will be Louise Quinn with Nia Fahey and Megan Connolly who can operate in the middle of the park but is probably going to be dropped back ahead of instead of Diane Caldwell um and Katie McCabe will be stationed at left wing back uh, again contentious because she's such a strong player and you know if only you could clone her you know you're taking her her out of the middle of the park she just wants to be on the ball all the time Um, but the reason for that is is because of the strength that the Aussies have in the wide areas like they they all, Sam Kerr is they're probably the best striker at this tournament but um it's stopping the supply you're not going to stop. Sam Kerr scoring goals if she gets any half-decent supply. So you cut out the supply. Ellie Carpenter is probably going to play right on the right for Australia. She's excellent, she's strong, she's quick, she's clever, and she's got great delivery. So Katie McCabe's job will be to cancel her out. And whoever wins that battle on Mikey, that is a huge... This game could hinge on that side uh, on Ireland's left and Australia's right. Um, In the middle then, uh, Sinead Farrelly... Um technically excellent player alongside another technically brilliant player, Denise. So them will probably rush a Little John uh in there with her, who'll be kind of tasked with breaking up play, hard running, aggressive. Um Marissa Sheba will play just ahead of them. Uh, and then Kiro Crusoe will leave the line. I think that third midfield spot uh with little John, the likes of Little John, um uh, Lucy Quinn will, will, be, will be scrapping for that. Third spot. So I think the other two are hundred percent like priority uh, and and uh, O'Sullivan will mm. absolutely be in. So that's that's what's gonna what we're gonna be looking at. Um, on paper, the idea is to you know you've got three players in the middle, two players who are technically excellent in tight spaces, so they can keep a hold of the ball, give Ireland the chance to get their two wing backs high up the pitch to offer support to Shiva and Caruso. The danger is that if they get pinned back, like if if Australia, if it's wave of pressure, wave after wave of pressure, and they really pin Ireland back, now you've got a situation where your best player and your captain, Katie McCabe, is stationed at left wing back and she can't do any damage from that part of the pitch. we we need Katie McCabe high up in their half where she can swing balls into the box or take a shot on or take fullbacks on. So that's where the game we won and lost. Who who's gonna come out on top in, in terms of like enforce their game plan on the other team australia are just going to play four four two. that's that's it, how they'll settle
1: it's a, it's the irish curse connor isn't it we, we do seem to be often in a situation in men's and women's football that arguably our best players are fullbacks or are played at fullback
3: and uh <laughs> yeah it's good to have a strong fullback but it's not really where you want your best player it's certainly been the case in the men's game of the last decade or so i mean it's it's it is frustrating that mccabe can't play in a more advanced position given how how much of a threat she is going forward? I'm interested to to know whether um when was the last time Ireland really broke out of this kind of formation, this five four one formation? Uh, in your estimation, Anthony, I mean, wh- like, uh, know, it- has she been wedded to this for for lot? I mean, I they were pretty conservative, I suppose, in the in the group phase, and it paid off for them. Um, you know, they they built around a solid defense and ground out results against Finland and Scotland. Is is there any scope to branch beyond that or has she been inclined to at any point
2: well no and, and I think I think our squad selection and like tells us that Connor like as I said I mean that's there's no like the personnel changes even our substitutions uh if, if you know France is the most recent example when Ireland were 2-0 3-0 down like the substitutions the personnel is changing but the the system isn't changing you know we're not we're not really changing how we set up and how we play so what we have is that sort of life Four one or you know if you want to call it a, a three five two if you, you could possibly call it that if you're you know maybe but um like it it's it's they're they're ex- very very disciplined and it's extremely well drilled or and they really are well drilled um and I think even the first half against France you could see what they're going to try and do then you could see how well they're coached or, or what they're doing and the trying to pitch in front you could see that Marissa Shiva in certain positions on the pitch depending on where the ball is she's she is filling a particular space on the pitch. Sinead Fardy is doing the same on the other side and, and they're like a seesaw. And for 45 minutes it worked very, very well. Um but then in three minutes of stoppage time they conceded two goals and in the second half they, they didn't I mean they didn't look remotely like getting back into the game. Granted against a very good France team but they're going to be playing a very good Australia team and we, we will Get a good gauge on it tomorrow night when Australia play France in their final warm-up match. You know, that, that will sort of tell us how close Australia are because you know Australia the, the last two years under Tony Gustavson hasn't been totally plain sailing for them, but they do look like they're starting to, to come good at the right time. And if anybody saw their game against England in April, they bet England 2-0 in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was ominous. That was ominous. They had beaten, they had just lost to Scotland a few days prior to that, but they they were missing a few important players. Your full strength against England, more or less. Um, and they look they look good. They look good. But then again, Ireland bet zambia 3-2. You know, three weeks ago, uh, zambia then went out and bet Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, good. You
1: know, I love pre-tournament form line. It's always uh yeah,
2: look this is it, you know. It's, it's it's a rat's nest, it yeah.
1: always is. The um the, Australia, then I guess you've mentioned like the branding is there, you get the sense that you know a big tournament is happening. Do you get the sense, like, because the Australians are famed for you know their kind of fairly rabid support of their national teams? Is I'm I'm assuming it's no different here. It's you know, it's a country 100 percent behind Australia, and you know, woe betide the teams playing against them. I would imagine because the Aussies, they I hate the B word, but banter, you know, trash talk, that kind of thing. They love it. Like Australian fans love it. Australian teams tend to love it. You get any sense of that yet?
2: Well, I mean, look, I mean, there is, I'm talking about, uh, I have a stack of newspapers here, you know, uh, beside me, and there is there is some, some good stuff uh, on the Matildas and, and the World Cup. We're still a week away from it. Like, the back pages are rugby league. You know, it's like, we're not there yet. That it, it's, it's wall-to-wall yet, but, um, I mean, the fact that the game... The Ashes is on, is on too, which will obviously attract a lot a, of attention. It's a sports-mad, it's a sports-crazy sports country. Um, But I think when we actually see the stadium next week, like there's a suspicion that, you know, this is sold out. Is it because of enormous Aussie, you know, on home soil or is it or the diaspora? Is this going to be a giant stadium job where, you know, walk out and <laughs> there's more green and yellow. I mean, we hope so. We hope so. But, you know, that, that could happen. You know, there's such a huge Irish community here and we know that there's a lot of people traveling for it as well. Um, you know, you'd you'd expect that of course Australia are going to get behind their, their own team and you know they they will feel they have a chance to win this tournament. But um you know don't be surprised if it looks more like a 50-50 split next week when they when they come mm. out with the airport. Um
3: Connor, we the were happy. the to... the interesting thing about the Giants Stadium game is most of the Irish fans. That day they were uh, Americans effectively, as, as has been as has been disclosed <laughs> by Irish fans over there. <laughs> um, Conor, we were heartened
1: to hear Vera Powell say the most important thing about the pitch is that it is flat, because there had yeah. been a few there had been a few whispers that perhaps the training facilities, you know, PTSD setting in for some of us here of a certain age that the training facilities weren't up to snuff. But Vera did her best to 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 dampen that down. Uh, that that would have been an yeah. unfortunate bit of history repeating.
3: Yeah, although it, we didn't hear it wasn't flat in Saipan either. So there may not be much. It was just very hard, as I recall. I believe it was hard. Yeah, yeah no. I think there uh, were holes. I think we're, there we're very holes. sensitive to those kind of whispers. And certainly um, <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> they hadn't trained on it when when Vera spoke to Tony uh, yesterday. And uh, I, her, her kind of comments in support of the surface didn't sound... Too uh reassuring to be honest. the Biggest thing is that it's flat isn't isn't, you
1: know. Yeah. A- a- any update it's on that, Anthony? The grandest
2: praise a groundsman can ever hear, I don't think. But
1: uh... have, have you got out the spirit level? Have we
2: have we established the pitch is indeed flat? Is it okay? No, no, well no, I haven't I haven't gone that far, but no, look, she reiterated, she just reiterated that um she was happy with the the, the base. I think it was it was late change. FIFA implemented a late change, didn't they? So um there's, there's, she's i mean she's generally um regularly taken the chance to stress how happy she's been with the FAI support you know throughout the last two years so um you know and you know taking talking about the flight over and and the fact that they're business class and um there's been no grumblings up to now uh, in in that regard certainly so um maybe in the next couple of days it will be Something will come to light, but at the minute she seems she seems happy and content. Uh, no, we,
1: we we don't want to be wishing obviously we don't want you no, to have... no absolutely not.
2: <laughs> we, we want you to we're have some old.
1: stories to get your teeth into but um we're, we're certainly not wishing for Saipan down under here I don't think I don't think Tony O'Donoghue oh, do. who could live through a second one to be honest with you
2: no I look we're, and we're in a group of Nigeria and Canada who have not had serene uh, journeys mm-hmm. to this point and obviously just uh, everything's gone out in Nigeria so we just want you know from Martin's point of view you, you do want things to go as smoothly as possible because things are going to be difficult Good enough without any um, unwanted controversies.
3: Yeah, in and Colombia now, aren't they? I mean, is there any sense of will you get to see that, or do we
2: know what's happening? No, we will for. Well, it's it's that game is behind closed doors. Um, but what we do know is that there'll be two different 11s, Like she'll start with, yeah. I, I would say, her strongest. Her team is going to start against France, and then there'll be a completely different eleven uh, in the second half. So, like the juggling act that she has is, is obviously keeping everybody in the squad happy and motivated and, and believing that they're going to be a part of this. And and I, I don't think that's an issue. I, I don't think that's an issue. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing for these players, an incredible experience. They all know the stakes. Um, I think maybe, and again, not to be overly negative on this, but perhaps there could be issues further down the line. I mean, Ireland have a Nations League campaign to, to come and it starts in September when they play Northern Ireland at the Aviva Stadium. Um, You know, maybe some disgruntlement of players who've been omitted or will feel that they should have got better, more of a chance Um, will have to be handled by her a little more closely then. But right now they're in camp, they're in the bubble, you know, the buzz is building the, the, the magnitude of this whole thing that they, you know, all the players don't understand that. So, you know, they'll, they'll be doing everything on the training pitch and in whatever 45 minutes they get against Columbia to put their hand up, because the one thing they have seen under Vera Powell, as we've already referenced with say, Lucy Quinn is that, um, and Izzy Atkinson, you know, if you impress her when you get her chance, she's open to, to, to putting in, you know, she's she takes the, the training performance in particular very, very seriously. So uh, the door is not fully shut. I mean, as much as we know the first 11, we know that because she's basically confirmed herself. But that doesn't mean that that 11 is going to stay the same for the second match and the third match. You know, there's a tight yeah. recovery thing here too. And again, you know, look, having... I, I as I said, we spoke to some of the backroom team and, and power herself has has chatted about this before. Like there's an awful lot of data that they look at, like the recovery times and the GPS numbers. that, that that's a big thing for her. So if somebody dips for whatever reason or they think, okay, the, the performance here, she's she's not quite ready to go again uh, against Canada in that second game, that type of thing can open up a door for somebody and give them an opportunity to come in. Okay.
1: um, We'll touch on that uh, next week when we return, obviously, but like the issues with Canada and Nigeria, even England, who are probably the best funded team at the tournament or up there with the USA in terms of that, at least, you know, they have a dispute over their bonuses as well. There's, you know, there's a chance this could, could sully things, Connor. And it seems, yeah, it seems kind of shitty, really, that uh, heading into the World Cup, that so, some of the competitors are, some like Nigeria are arguing over wages that haven't been paid for a matter of years. Canada have had They kind of front-loaded their row and got it out of the way quite a long time ago but even england like it does like considering you know the the money that's been thrown at this by fifa by a lot of broadcasters by by the organizations themselves to have to have the players kind of you know kind of fighting for money which echoes with what's going on in women's sport in gaelic games as well um it's not a great look really is it
3: yeah, it's cast a pall, it could cast a pall over it, and it's particularly surprising given how successful the recent tournaments have been—the 2019 World Cup and the, and the Euros um, last year. I mean, particularly shocking with England, given how successful they've been, how prominent they are. I mean, you, you they obviously they won the Euros last year. They're they're going to make a big play to to win this World Cup, and that can't obviously help their preparation to have this bubbling away in the background. I mean, we've heard it before in their with their men's team decades ago, but to to have this surfacing for them is particularly surprising. Um, you know, the the issue with Nigeria, um, could potentially play into Ireland's hands. I know Vera Powell said today, she didn't expect, uh, well, I suppose she has to say this, but she didn't expect it to influence the Nigerians on the field of play. And they'll focus on that. So Ireland obviously can't, can't treat that as a jackpot deal, but, uh, yeah it's 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 you'd hope that these things are ironed out um maybe not in the case of nigeria from ireland's perspective but you would you would uh for the sake of the tournament it would be better if these sort of stories were uh were dealt with and it is surprising that that um, federations haven't haven't gotten gear for it given that it's looming down the tracks
1: yeah and Anthony, fifa have you know from the flying the players out business class to kind of the bonuses that have been approved um God knows we give FIFA enough criticism, but they are they're not skimping on this tournament, it would seem, from their point of view.
2: No, but look, I mean, Gavin Cooney has a very good piece on this sort of team in the 42 today. Um once you, you never once progress is made, you never go back. So players know now what they are, you know, they, they fought so hard to get everything that they have to this point that there's no backward step here. So, you know, they've been liberated by the battles that they've won, you know, across several countries, including the Republic of Ireland. Um, I will say, and and this is just again going off on the side channel tangent, but on Nigeria, I, I I don't think them being in turmoil is good for Ireland in, in footballing terms, of the group, because I I fancy them to potentially nick points off either Canada or Australia, which would open up the group a little bit more. So, you kind of want them strong, and, and they are capable. They've got some, you know, they uh, show is, is again world class talent up front, the, the Barcelona striker, uh, and they have dangerous players who could maybe do some damage. So, um, look, we, we don't want to be talking about these things, we want to be focusing on the football and the great players that we're going to be seeing over, over the next few weeks, um, especially in our group, which is probably, well, arguably the strongest group at this World Cup, but um. You know these issues are there, and the players are are right to, to drag them into the into the light. Um, and you know we, we we'll see what happens. And, you know Nigeria seems to have settled down. Their issues seem to have settled down. There was talk that they potentially might boycott their first game, but that's sort of been this, dismissed now. Their their captain, um, said that's that's not going to be the case. So, um, you know as I said, we we all want to focus on the football, but you know these things have to be raised, they have to be talked about they'll be discussed um, mm, Okay um, Right
1: we might leave at that lads, will Anthony get to bed um, There's a lovely man-made beach on the river there Anthony I don't know whether it's something you do in winter but that's about the only thing I remember really doing in Brisbane it's very nice but might be a bit chilly What is the temperature during the day?
2: Um, it's it's a kind of late high teens early twenties ah, Go swim in the river, you'll have
1: a lovely time, be refreshing
2: yeah, just just right for the Irish channel like
1: itself. Absolutely, the um we will be back on Monday and every day thereafter. Um, with Anthony, the rolling cast of the RTE crew out in Australia, including pundits. Um, is, is Anthony is Anthony on every day? He is I know there'll be some days where he has to travel in steerage, but when he's traveling in a you know a kangaroo Can squashing you, okay. uh, uh articulated lorry across the outback. He won't be able to do the podcast. It could be good. It could be, I know, but we, nah, we, we are going to give Anthony a day off here or there. So um, we'll draft in some of his colleagues out there and we'll have a plenty of RTE pundits, both home-based and Australia-based, pitching in as well. So um, do join us. Um, And of course, a reminder, every game is live on RTE television and uh, with the Ireland Games live on RTE 2FM, but we'll remind you of all that a bit closer to the time. So we will chat to you on Monday. Thank you to Anthony and thank you to Connor and we'll talk to you then.
2: Good luck. The Bye.
0: a half likes shares comments and tweets cadbury sponsors rte soccer women's world cup podcast